The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or the Webster Rockio Ministries, its management, or other host or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented on KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Well, good morning, St. Louis and listeners out in the listener land of the universe. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in tune. Mark Langston, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's it's amazing what a week, <laughs> what can happen in a week. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll be talking about all the events that have happened this last week. But It's been a... I'm doing fine. It's, I've, I've, that's good. I'm enjoying the, the blue skies and the sunshine and glad to see it coming. Our guest this morning, uh, Jim Merkel, he grew up in De Pere in Webster Groves. He's been a journalist in the St. Louis area for three decades. His previous books, published by Reedy Press, were Hoosiers and Scrubby Dutch, St. Louis's South Side, Beer Brats and Baseball, St. Louis Germans, and the Making of an Icon, the Dreamers, the Schemers, and the Hard Hats Who Built the Gateway Arch. Also, the colorful characters of St. Louis lives in the Bevo Mill area, and we're going to talk about his latest book, Growing Up St. Louis, Looking Back Through the Decades. Welcome, Jim. Well, hi. It's been a while. Um, we spent quite a, many, many meetings together in the uh, in the school board in Webster Groves, uh, watching uh, business being done, and you being a, uh, a member, and me being writing for the uh, Webster Kirkwood uh, Times, and uh, so. But this latest book, I'm really excited about. Uh, the uh, other books were all like places and people and stuff like this, but this is about a concept about uh, to grow up. And uh, in St. Louis, or it could be any time, um, I uh, interviewed more than 100 people, all kinds of places. Uh, from Webster, Kirkwood area, I interviewed uh, about eight people. And um, I, uh, one was born in 1913, and there was others who were later. Um, I always, I've been wondering about what people would say about their memories of the, would be, of, uh, of COVID-19. You say people who are, who are kids right now, um, right. you know, and so it was, a, it was, really a delightful thing to do. You know, and folks, so you understand what he's done, he's chosen people, and, and to kind of piggyback on, on what he's discussed, he he gives you people born in certain uh, time periods, like I'm looking at one, uh, certain decades, the 1930s, and then he talks about people in the 1940s, and before he introduces those people, he gives a little historical background of what was going on in St. Louis at the time, which, Jim, I thought was it really very interesting. It, it provided a nice foundation and groundwork for what people were talking about, and if you've been born or raised here in St. Louis, you know a lot of these things, either by experiencing them firsthand or by hearing them. But again, just to, I talk about, say, uh, People uh, who remember what it was like, a specific thing when uh, Kennedy was shot, how he was going, taking the bus home, and every, every place he looked, uh, people were stunned, you know, standing in the street, and they were just quiet, and like, like 
And uh, the same thing about 9-11. Somebody said how uh, she went home and every place, every channel she turned on, she kept on watching the the planes coming, going into the... into the buildings and so and i uh you know what i got out of that is that stays with you and so much of what we are as adults is who we were as kids you know that's a great statement uh because as i read the book it made me think back of my childhood and things that i had forgotten that i don't you know really contemplate, but it, it pulled memories out of my memory bank about places that I had been, like when you go down into a creek or when you go like to the highlands or things like that. So th- the book also has pictures of many of these kind of areas. What, what really surprised you uh, from what some of the people said, Jim? Well, uh, I... Uh Again, I guess how how it's it stayed with them. Uh, um, many, I guess it was just the ordinariness of a lot of what they said. Uh, I uh, talked to William Danforth. Uh, the his uh, parents were involved with Ralston Purina, and he was the chair, the chancellor of uh, Washington U. And he said uh, how. When he was a kid, he would uh, always eat Ralston. It was a cereal, and because that was made by his parents' company, and it was. And he, uh, Tom Mix, the uh, enter- the cowboy entertainer, was sponsored by uh, Ralston, and he went down to uh, see Ralston. You know, to see him when he was, and he had a chance to talk to him, and so. Uh, and these are these are sort of ordinary things, and uh, you know, kids are kids, whatever they are. And I, I don't know if that's surprising, but um, you know, that I have so many different people, uh, and uh, but um, you know, it's always uh, the same. It's the same kind of thing, but it's different, I guess. That's what I would say. You know, one of the things I noticed in here was discussion of what people remember about polio and about being mm-hmm. uh, the fear of, of getting that, and then also about tuberculosis and the fear of getting that. And I, I didn't know that St. Anthony's Hospital was actually at Grand and Chippewa. I was not aware of yeah, that. Yeah, it was until, I, I guess it was in the 70s, uh, it moved down to South County, uh, like one of many things that emptied out of the city, uh, but um, so, uh, but there are, and right now, well, it was, I think it was a grocery store there, and now, I don't know what's there, I live pretty close, but uh, it is, uh, it's, it's a marker, and uh, that's the thing, you know. People, people kind of, you kind of think when you're dealing with uh, memories, you think, oh, the admiral, or you think about the uh, about Forest Park Highlands. But I think the things that really uh, people remember, and what I remember, is say, 
If you recall, at Shrewsbury and 44, there is a big gas uh, uh, storage area. And I remember looking at that when... uh, 60 years ago, I was pretty close oh, yeah. to it, and uh, you know, and now it's still there, and that's, you know, that's a location, that's a, uh, but, um, you know, people people think too much too much that it's it has to be some place where you go to have fun or like Six Flags or something, and are they the Cardinals? But it's just ordinary stuff too, so. Um, yeah, and some ordinary things that were actually really impressions. One person saw somebody shot, and you know, kids mm-hmm. who were kind of taken one to uh, an orphanage or, or one because of things that were going on in the family. Uh, another one was sent yeah. out of town to the country, and uh, mm-hmm. those those were those were very heart wrenching kinds of stories that we were listing here. Well, I, I had to make sure this isn't a book about nostalgia, although it's partially that because people it's about what kids went through and uh, they uh, that they you know that really kept to them and that's it's important that we remember them and I I was uh, it was wonderful that people were so frank you know I, I talked to one woman who. Uh, got pregnant at 15 and uh, she got married at uh, it was at 16 and it didn't work out of course it wouldn't work out uh, and she got remarried and she, I think it, she's been married for close to 40 years now and she's uh, you know uh, she, um, but this is but this stays with you and I guess that's the one one reason why why is it that certain people who are uh, always rem- rem- are at the top, and other people, uh, you know, especially African Americans, uh, who might be just as qualified uh, and talented, don't? It's because they don't have. They live in a place where it's difficult, uh, whereas uh, others might have money and might have uh, the good nuclear family. So uh, it's, uh, you know, another another thing that's really, really something is the difference. There is so much difference today between the, uh, between kids in my generation and kids in, uh, who are growing up now. It is so incredibly uh, different. Um, and I'm not going to say it's it's good or bad. Let's let Pearson now figure this out. For example, with me, I was allowed just to go out and play on Saturdays, and they wouldn't see me for hours, and that was okay. Whereas today, because uh, she has to, because mom has to get back to work as soon as possible, the kids are put in pretty supervised environments of daycare centers or as early as they can have, uh, have, uh, education. Um, and it's, you know, it, it, it's bound to affect you. And, uh, when everybody, when it happens to everybody, um, I guess we'll, maybe it'll, it'll make people more, 
cooperative or whatever. I don't know, but it'll be different. Well, and we, we, we hope so. We hope so. This is St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker yeah. and Mark Langston. We're talking to Jim Merkel about his latest book, Growing Up St. Louis. Jim, one thing I appreciated that you did is you did not shy away from issues that relate to uh, St. Louis and that have gone on for long a long time, and, and those are the, the issues that uh, involving black and white. You talk about in one particular thing by uh, Florida Cargill, about the pains of integration. You talk about uh, some other issues that relate to neighborhood and redlining. And uh, Mm -hmm. those those are issues that many times could have been glossed over and left out, but you went ahead and, and chose to put those in there. When you interviewed somebody, did they give you a multitude of stories and that you picked from, or did they just kind of... You took the first thing they said, or maybe they just gave you one thing. How did you approach that? Well, um, I was. It was pretty. Of course, I, I had the, the kinds of people and the periods, and I wanted to make sure there was men, women. But uh, there were people I talked to for two hours. Wow! And then you you look through and you. Oh, this looks good. And uh, I, uh, there was others that I had much shorter. Uh, I, in most cases, even with friends who I did interview, uh, maybe about a dozen or so, um, I did not know what they would say. <laughs> and so uh, I took it down and I, t- I taped it, and I thought, uh, this is. Um, but you know, it was it was tough. Uh, I wish I would have had more space. But on the other hand, keeping it short, uh, you know, what are, what do uh, what does Ken Burns do when he interviews, uh, say, dozens and dozens of people, and uh, and he just picks out the best two minutes, you know, and uh, so I think in a lot of ways it was sort of like a documentary. Uh, so, uh, but it wasn't easy. I can imagine. And Mark, you may know some people in here. I found two of my high school classmates. I found actually someone that I had hired in my previous life employment. And I wanted to read one thing from one of my classmates. He said, uh, we knew how to entertain ourselves with normal stuff back then, like plain marbles. We didn't have all the electronic stuff. The whole neighborhood was family-oriented, and we knew how to have a good time with each other. We didn't just jump rope. It had to be double dutch, using two ropes to make it harder, but more fun. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we, uh, that, was, is, that, that was Smith. Uh, That's Perkins Smith. Know, what, uh, uh, Perkins Smith. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I also interviewed, you interviewed his daughter. So uh, he was... Uh, and that's that's the typical that's the typical small town St. Louis business. Uh, everybody, uh, everybody, one way or the other knows everybody else, and so uh, I. And of course, there was my uh, the youngest person and the oldest person I interviewed 
lived on the same block. Okay, now I want you to hang on to that story, Jim, because we're going to take a break here. Okay. All right, and and that's okay. that's a tremendous story. The oldest person that you interviewed mm-hmm. and the youngest, they grew up on the same block. All right, so so we're going to come back yeah. to that. Okay, I'm, I'm tantalizing people to stay okay. tuned over the break here. <laughs> we're talking about Jim Merkel's book, oh, Growing yeah. Up St. Louis, looking back through the decades. <laughs> And it, he, he says here that, you know, we, we have a lot of big events like the Louisiana Purchase Exposition, the Great Depression, Mark McGuire's home run. But there are stories that are just every day, he says, ranging from joyous to humdrum, even to the grim. They're talking about some people who, you know, found uh, a family member who had, who had passed away uh, and how they dealt with that. So uh, Jim is a longtime uh, mm-hmm. St. Louisan and journalist, and he uh, writes now for the South Side for MetroSTL.com and the South Sider and the North Sider newspaper. And uh, yeah, co- covers City Hall. What's that, Jim? It's MetroSTL.com. Uh, during the uh, uh, COVID, they've put, put the uh, print editions on, uh, aside, but... Let's hope they get back. Let's hope this thing gets over. Like many community newspapers have done, they've gone strictly electronic right now. So we're going to come back after the break with with Jim Merkel, continue talking about growing up St. Louis, looking back through the decades. This is Arnold Strick with Mark Langston of St. Louis In Tune. You're listening to KWRH 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Welcome back to St. Louis in Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. We're having a great conversation with Jim Merkel about his latest book, Growing Up St. Louis, Looking Back Through the Decades. And before the break, Jim was getting ready to tell a amazing story. And it was about the oldest and youngest person in the book who grew up on the same street. Now, Jim, you've got plenty of time. <laughs> sure. Yeah, thanks. I have um, her name uh, is... Uh, Dorothy Danner Hunter, and she was born in 1907, uh, um, right. uh, and I, I found out about her uh, when I first began in uh, this book in uh, 2017, and I began looking around for people, and frankly, I found this through, uh, through uh, Channel 9, something that they did. I mean, not 9, but... Uh, uh, St. Louis Public Radio, and uh, she, this woman, she was 109, and I, um, I listened to her, and and I went out and talked to her. She was in a uh, in an assisted living facility at, uh, uh, out in Baldwin, and uh, she was in pretty good shape, and she she told some some really really neat memories. And uh, I about growing up uh, south of uh, uh, about growing up south of um, Arsenal and uh, east of, and west of Grand, and um, then I took down the information, and then um, later on I we had some we had some things. Uh, at a, a, a library branches, uh, we were offered little space to interview people. We put out the word, and there was this uh, one uh, uh, 
this one person guy who was born, I think he was eight at the time. He was born in 2008. And I knew that he, he was born, he lived around the same area, but I didn't think of anything. And so, um, later on, I looked at my notes for both of them and I realized that both of them lived in the same block of Connecticut, uh, on, uh, in the Tower Grove South neighborhood and the same, what's called the, and so, uh, you know, this is the chances of this happening is incredible. And uh, the, uh, in fact, just last sun, last Sunday, uh, the mom uh, uh, sent me a couple some orders uh, for books, and I went over there and I took a picture of him. He's now eleven, and I took a picture of him in front of. Uh, uh, in front of the house where she, this woman grew up, but it's just so incredible. It, it could have been both of them could have lived thousands of different places, and I know there's some there's some uh, coincidence. Well, she she grew up in she taught school in Kirkwood, and I taught and one of the other people that I I had Fred uh, Blumenthal, he. Uh, he went to school and he was taught by her, but the, but this is different. This is, uh, this is almost spooky and, uh, but it's fine. Intervention. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I, I don't, but you know, it is, it is really what you would call a coincidence. Uh, well, it's the kind of coincidence that there always seems to be written into a novel or something like that to tie two people together. But, uh, it's, uh, but um, and amazing. I had other things, and like you said, you had you you it, you recognize some people yourself. So um, no, it was uh, it was it was wonderful to uh, to find this out, and it was wonderful to talk to this woman, uh, you know, who was she? <laughs> she was like I say, she was born in. She was old enough. That she remembered dropping, going down to Union Station to see her uncle go off on a train to to the Great War. Wow, <laughs> that's how old she was. And so, so yeah, that, anyway, that was uh, a story about she remembered Wrigley's Double Mint Gum because she wasn't supposed to have any. Her uncle gave her some. Well, she she remembered. We just chose that picture, but she she remembered uh, her her dad, who was a uh, pretty stern uh, father. Um, so, you know, refused it, and then but the uncle gave her, gave her and her uh, siblings this gum, and there was nothing she he could do about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Uh, you know, uh, but it, it sounds like he was a little bit of a trickster. And she he, she also remembered walking down onto Grand to uh, go see the movie, uh, see uh, see uh, silent movies, the, the kind that her father approved of, which was you know, uh, I'm sure they were pretty pretty soft stuff. And so, uh, but it's it's just so much. 
then uh, then there was a, another one. Uh, there's Margaret Whitaker. She was born in 1913, and she lived west of Kirkwood, and she went to school. Uh, and in order for her to go to high school in Kirkwood, her father would have had to pay for it, and he refused. And he she wanted to be a uh, she wanted to be a uh, a, te- a teach school, and so she arranged to go work for a woman who actually worked for a newspaper in Kirkwood, and she. Uh, she graduated from uh, high school in Kirkwood, and she went off, and she was a lifelong teacher. And so uh, that, it, talk about uh, women's liberation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, uh, totally different. Uh, and then, and then uh, there was, you know, so many, uh, so many different things uh, do you recall any any others uh, that you might have uh, might have uh, or I might want to talk about? Or, well, you know, the, uh, especially around this time of year, because we're we're missing the baseball season. I was really intrigued by uh, one individual who said he learned baseball from a pro, and uh, mm-hmm. he was you know he would always meet like. Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Jackie Robinson, because they would go to the barber shop, and then Kurt Flood came to the shop to get his hair cut, and the the kid said, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> you know, and the and on the opposite yeah. page was the one of of meeting. Now, Mark, you got to get this because this is kind of like how I know I think sometimes, and maybe you think this way sometimes too. Okay. But Jim, tell the story about uh, when this this kid sitting in a what I'm going to call myself a bar and sitting next to him is someone who also has a cartoon character name. Oh, sure. Uh, this was actually, this was somebody who I grew up with and he's one of those friends. No kidding. Uh, his name was, was, uh, James Harn and he's, his dad was, uh, he worked in a, he had a refrigeration business, which basically meant when you have stuff that always has to operate, uh, you better, you better have somebody on call. And, uh, so he, uh, went, uh, one day his dad, this was in the middle of, uh, this was in the middle of summer. Uh, and when he was about six years old. And so he went down and uh, his dad was working on it. And so he found himself at a bar. And somebody says, hey, kid, you want to see Yogi Bear and some, uh, uh, Bear? And, and somehow <laughs> he thought he was saying Yogi Bear. And then uh, heard from somebody else, uh, sorry, kid, I'm not Yogi Bear, I'm Yogi Bear. And he was sitting and right so next to the kid. <laughs> He this he this was this was in the hill. I maybe I should have mentioned this, and I thought about that, and I thought, let's see now. In the midst of summer, Yogi Berra not going to it's not going to be in St. Louis, and then I thought about some more. It says, was it 1957 when there was uh, the uh, when the uh, 
Paul Stardine was here, and sure enough, he played in it. Wow. And so uh, Yogi played in it. So he would have been, it was natural that he would have been home and, uh, you know, gone home to see his folks and uh, his friends and, uh, you know, um, and then in the hill, and then he would have said, uh, he, he would have found himself at that bar. And so, uh, but that's, you know, that's a, that's a sidem, you know, of course, I and mean, we all have sidems. I have a, a, my brother and I used St. Louis Hawks. This wasn't in the books, but my brother and I used to go to the St. Louis Hawks games. Right. He used to drag me down there and in the sixties. And then afterwards, my parent, mom would come and pick us up. And I remember, uh, Wilt the still, yep. Wilt Chamberlain was, was there. And I decided I was going to get his, his, uh, his autograph. And I waited and I waited and I waited. Finally, we saw this guy, almost stick figure got come out of the door and he was walking and I was just so afraid that I didn't, didn't go up to him and, and then he got in his car and he stuff. And so that was my, <laughs> my big sighting wow. thing. And but I, I didn't get, I didn't put that in. I put in some other stuff, uh, but, uh, we all have those stories though. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and that's you know everybody, anybody. I could have, I could have just gone a street and pointed to somebody and said, "I want to talk to you." And if that person would have talked to me, I would have gotten a great story. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know yeah. the book. We... Uh, it, it's... Go ahead, Jim. And and so you know, like in fact, at uh, Mizzou, the journalism school. Uh, I didn't, they had a class, I didn't take it, where one of the things you had to do was you had to look in a phone book and just uh, just point your, your uh, find somebody absolutely at random and then go talk to them. And everybody who did got a great story. You know, so, uh, you know and that's, uh, I guess Jim, that's one of the things. Many, uh... Jim, how many folks did you interview for the book? Did they all make it in? They didn't all make it into the book, I would not imagine. No, no, there was various reasons. Uh, most of them did. I I wanted to have it 100. It was 98 that actually got in the book. We had uh, seven from the beginning of the 19th century, of, of the 20th century, rather, uh, that we included that were... Uh, they written down uh, by somebody else, um, and uh, so all, it was total. It was total 105 in the book, but there was others. Uh, I guess I, I interviewed 110, 115, uh, and uh, I, all kinds of ways that I found them. Uh, you know, uh, of course, calling nursing homes for people who were. Uh, 100 years old or older. Um, the the St. Louis Light, uh, Public Library allowed, again allowed us to put out, allowed me to interview people on successive Saturdays in October of 17. Uh, and some things I don't know how I found them. <laughs> you know, towards the uh, towards the end of my mother's life. Uh, I found my. She was in a in a assisted living home, and I found myself sitting with her with a 
pad of paper and just talking with her and asking her about her childhood and where she grew up and uh, neighborhoods she was in. And, and I found that just like you say, everyone has a story and uh, mm-hmm. they can mean so much to so many. Uh, and we can relate uh-huh. to so many of them. So what a what a fun thing mm-hmm. to do. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, I, uh, I think it's the most, uh, the best book I wrote. And uh, it's, um, I definitely am glad I, I spent the time uh, doing it. Um, so, uh, but it's, I, I got this from, um, I think I got it. You know, you don't know. Have you heard of Spence Turkle? No. Uh, he he was he was a writer. Uh, he wrote. Uh, he did a lot of oral histories uh, with with big, uh, hefty, the uh, old recording machines, uh, and and so I I interviewed uh, I I he interviewed uh, adults. Uh, about the depression and also about uh, working. Um, the, they were longer. The thing I, I didn't like is the fact that there were, they seemed too political. It seemed to, his point was to uh, record people on the left who uh, went through things rather than say people like my grandparents who weren't particularly political. Uh, they just, you know, they found themselves in a fix, and here's how they they dealt with it. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so I think that's probably where I got got the start, you know, to find out. We've been listening to and talking to with Jim Merkel, who is the author of Growing Up St. Louis, his latest book, and it's available at Reedy Press, R E E D Y, Reedy Press. And Jim, we appreciate you coming on the show today. This is it's a great book. And folks, you need to read it. It's a fun read. It's a fast read, and it, it's it's just amazing at what people remember, and then how many memories it will bring you bring back from your memory banks about your childhood. And maybe you can relate to some of these stories that are told here. So, Jim, thanks for coming on the show today. We greatly appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It you was take fun. take care. Have a great question. weekend. You too. Bye.